So welcome to another show. We've got Christopher Ellingsworth on today, who's the founder of a non-profit called Foundation of a New World. So welcome to the show, Christopher. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I understand that you've got an idea, a big idea to change and revolutionize the way that economics is practiced, let's say, across the globe. Where did that come from? What problems can you see that maybe the average Joe on the street can't see? Uh, let's see, you kind of have two questions there. Let's say where it came from, it, it started with a prayer uh, many years ago um, and the conversation that resulted. But uh, as far as the problems, what problems that I see that the average person might not, I would say that I can see how our GDP system, it actually motivates the worst in society. Um, it doesn't bring out the best of our society. It brings out the worst of it and the the problems that we see all over the board that we take is just it's normal everyday business you can once you see what i'll i'll tell you about the gdp system you can see how it actually drives a lot of those and is making things worse as opposed to things getting better so what do you mean by the gdp system is it a case of just money transferring hands so an example i think of is tesco so if tesco comes to a local a local area and it makes five shops go out of business but net spend in the area goes up for gdp reasons that's seen as a benefit but as an overall spread of wealth that's actually detrimental is that what you're referring to or is there some other way that you would explain the gdp issue uh there, there's actually a lot more to it um i guess we'll start with uh let's just say the environment let's say look at the environmental aspect um i would say there's two big things that kind of want to talk to your listeners about would be the power economic system is really hurting us individually as far as being exploited and being pushed to the limit of having to live paycheck to paycheck to you know pay for our needs to keep going to have you know a house to live in health insurance stuff like that um and of course the, the climate change aspect but Let's just start, I guess, let's start with the climate change aspect. And with that, if you look at the GDP system, um, the GDP system, it, it just stands for gross domestic product. It's a system that measures yearly uh, what any particular country, their total sale of goods, right? And that helps to create a uh, sense of value for their, their currency, whether it's, you know, a dollar or um, I think it's a pound there or a rupal or whatever, you know, that, that GDP measuring system is really helping to set the standard of what your currency is worth. So the problem is, is that it's gross domestic production. You need to produce at least 2% gross domestic product than you did the year before. Otherwise you're considered to, or your currency is considered to be in a recession. If you produce less than the year before, it's a depression. Which I'm sure most of you have heard, you know, these things come up in the news where they're talking about whether or not the country's in a recession or if it's in a depression. That's what they're talking about, our complete and total GDP, if we have produced more than the year before. The problem with that, and this is twofold, uh, it hurts you and it hurts the environment in many different ways. Uh, for one, let's say if a, a company had a method to produce anything, uh, a light bulb, a can opener, a car, a cell phone, anything that was better, longer lasting, that's harmful to your GDP. 
right? It, it actually hurts a country's GDP if they're selling product that lasts longer. Um, let's just say if you made things last five times longer. Well, guess what? You've just cut your GDP down by to a fifth of what it was. By making it last longer, you hurt your GDP. You're not going to have that item to sell next year, right? And people aren't going to go in debt up to their eyeballs to buy things that they're not absolutely needing at the time, as opposed to if you absolutely need it, you will go into debt a lot easier. So that basic concept, let's just say environmentally speaking, um, if you want to save the environment, one very easy method to do that would be to make things last longer. Because every time you produce a product, you got to think all the weight, all the uh, materials that have to be harvested from the natural environment. The destruction of the natural world just to harvest the materials. Then the manufacturing process, even if they use clean energy, which most of them don't, but even if they did use clean energy to manufacture it, you still have all the byproducts, right? So you're looking at the CO2 release from manufacturing product, the byproducts from its manufacture, the shipping, uh, which is insane, um, shipping containers going around the world, trucks, deliveries, all that. The retailing, and of course, you buy the product, you dispose of the packaging, and after unfortunate short time, um, you have to dispose of the product and start all over. I mean, think about the pollution that's generated in that time span, and look at products that we buy every day, and we take, you know, take for granted um, a can opener. If you were to go to your grandparents and get a can opener, you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago, the thing would last 30, 40 years. The can openers they make today, you know, they last six months, a year, two years, maybe. That's uh, being kind of generous for most of them. So, as you can see, the GDP system, it creates a conflict of interest, right? If you're in charge, you're not going to have a, a well-established interest in trying to push policy that may um, stop companies from doing bad practices like this. When if you want to, you know, help save the environment and also protect your pocket, you, the customer, the average citizen, uh, you could actually protect them from having to spend way too much money by simply making products that last longer. But you're not going to want to because the GDP system aspect of it. You see, that that's just kind of one part of the GDP system and how it's hurting us. There's a lot to go out there. And I think there's four or five different parts that I just want to sort of look at. As you said, recessions and um, the the Fed have a two percent growth rate, don't they? You're meant to grow by two percent every year, and if you have two negative quarters of uh, no growth or uh, negative growth, that's a recession. And it's always chasing that growth where you can't always continue to grow, can you? Going back to your point as well on the uh, the the quality of things you see that in architecture and cars don't you the cars of old and the architecture of old is still standing today whereas some of the new cars you buy out the showroom and it's already broken because it's not in their best interests as you say to, to continue to make quality especially with cars for example most cars now are sold to businesses on lease agreements which again as you said is part of that system if businesses buy on lease, they don't really care about providing cars that have longevity because after the businesses use the car, 30, 40, 50,000 miles, they don't really care about the quality anymore. But then is there a fine line between bad products that then get a bad image and no one buys them versus being someone who provides quality? Because at the end of the day, we as consumers, 
are the people who have got control. If something is poorly made, yes, we might fall for it initially, but we don't have to continue to buy those products anymore. And that then, maybe for that business, that's the end of their their time. And we can then go to a business that maybe does produce something of high quality and lasts longer. Um, There's also an element for me of social class and power. So politicians, for example, can fly first class in their own um, uh, aeroplanes to a G8 summit to talk about climate change and climate control. And the corporations that produce these products, as you say, with harmful uh, waste and plastics, etc., are allowed to continue to do that on the basis of profit and GDP. Yet we as um, consumers pick up the tab for that through... Um, paying taxes and littering and all of these sorts of things. So what's your thoughts on on that, especially in respect of the corporations and politicians versus us at the bottom? Do you think we're picking up the tab for, as you've uh, uh, sort of eloquently put it, the issues of this GDP system? Well, yes, absolutely. Um I guess my, my thing is really trying to point out is the conflict of interest that it creates. Um, if you were a leader, let's just say you, you're all of a sudden the leader of your country. And you knew that these companies were making products intentionally, not just, not just trying to save money on the manufacturer and it happens to be a cheaper product, but no, literally doing everything in your power to make sure this product just isn't going to last long. Even if it didn't cost you a penny more to make a product that was longer lasting you're still just finding ways that you can make it die faster in order to keep selling it. Now, let's just say again, if you were the president of the country or you're the leader of your country, you have total control and total authority, but you still have to keep your GDP value high. It's not going to benefit you to go after this company and, and, and punish them in any way. You know, that's the, that's the major conflict of interest there. And, you know, it, it comes down to environmentally speaking. And of course, uh, societal speaking it's it's costing us money it's damaging the environment it's harmful for all that and they're going to keep on doing it because they need to keep generating that income um one of the things you had pointed out or you spoke about was uh the it, it's kind of the old argument of the consumer has the power to you know buy a, a better quality product versus a worse quality product and that's a that's a good argument but it's an old argument and i'd say the the real I think I'll give you one perfect example as far as a counter argument to that. And you can look this up. You can Google this. Uh, it has to do with the history of the light bulb. And I think it was back in the 20s or the 30s, the major light bulb companies of the world had come together and created their own governing system. Now, what they were doing was they were telling all the companies that they had to make sure their light bulbs did not last longer than X amount of hours. Right. If your company produced a light bulb that lasted longer, you would be fined. So they were literally giving out monetary fines to companies if their light bulbs lasted too long. So with that being said, what their engineers were doing, instead of trying to figure out a way to make a better product, they were trying to figure out how to make sure that it did not last longer than they needed it to. So you see that the argument's always been, oh, well, the companies are just making it cheaper to save money. You see, in this, in this case, it, it wasn't like that at all. They were actually spending money 
on engineers. I mean, engineers are well, well paid. They're not paid, you know, bottom dollar. They're, they're, they're paid very well. So you're spending a lot of money on engineers every day just to figure out how to make it a, a shorter thing. Not trying to save money on the production, but just making it last not as long. And that's really the counter to that argument is because it's not a matter of, oh, they saved money and made a cheaper product. No, they literally just wanted to find ways to make it die faster. And of course, at the time, I think that was during um, coming out of the Great Depression here in America where they needed jobs. So the government, of course, had no problem with allowing them to do that because they needed jobs and they needed to help boost the economy. So they had no problem just keeping people working again and again and again, even though they're producing the same thing, because they definitely needed a way to try to come out of that. And it's, you know, another economic thing that's that's hurting us. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, 100%. Um, I know of the light bulb thing. And also, if you look at Michelin, for example, I know this isn't necessarily the same thing with regards to quality, but it's coming in line with your point of using to try and increase sales. and Because GDP is obviously a, a country's sales in, in, in some respect, whereas a business has its own profit and loss and revenue. So Michelin, to increase their revenue, they started the Michelin stars, didn't they? recommending restaurants to ensure that they could sell their tires so people would travel first to restaurants. Yeah. And I know that's not the same thing in respect of poor quality, but it it falls in line with your argument to an extent of saying, well, we need to continue, to, you need to use more and more of our product, whether it's beneficial to you or the environment or anything else from that regard, so long as it benefits us and our bottom line and our shareholders, that's all we care about. It's funny as well. I don't know if you know about the oil spill that happened, um, I don't know, what, maybe 10 years ago? Was it BP or Shell? Is Must that the one, been in the, the one that was in Atlantic. Florida? Uh, no, it was that... it was in the Atlantic, I think. Um, oh. And the... the uh, um, was it in the Atlantic? I can't remember exactly where it was, but essentially it was classed as a, a GDP success because the cost, you know, like all the money spent to fix it and repair it actually spent more money than they would have done otherwise. So it actually boosted GDP. And I'm like, but you don't understand the, the, the climate detriment that's been made by spilling this oil, how many millions of animals have died, et cetera, et cetera. Coming back to your initial point, because I think this runs a lot deeper than maybe people understand. Is that GDP, is that money, is that profit so much more important than anything else available to us. As, uh, yeah, as yeah. Um, it, it's just, it's basically the devil of the world, um, the the great evil of the world. It's it's our it's our money. Um, on one hand, you're hitting on points on profit, and that's like the company's perspective. They're looking at profit. They want to make their profit, right? Your company, the investors, all that. They just want to see a profit. Um, what I keep circling back to is that conflict of interest that really comes down to the government because they're the ones that have the power to regulate um, when the consumers can't, which is more often than not. They like to tell us that it's it's all in the power of our dollar and where we spend our dollar or, or where we spend our money. That's supposed to be the the, the power of our voice. But it, it really rarely works out that way. It's It comes down to the government to actually regulate and put these things down. But when they're like you said, looking at just the GDP aspect of it, they're not going to, they're not going to curb these practices if they know they need it. Um, 
and it comes down to more than just GDP, you look at job dependency, and you really have the same issue. Um, me, you, and everyone else, we're all job dependent. And because of this job dependency, you have the same problem. If you produce products that last longer, you have less jobs, right? Um, th there's that issue. Uh, another thing on the GDP I really wanted to point out, like another thing that's really bad about the GDP system, I, I think a lot of people might actually be um, angry by this or maybe get a little upset, but it's based on your how much total sales that you have, right? So if the price of major things went down, is that good or bad for GDP? It's bad. It really, it really depends, though, because um, in um, in exporting countries, they reduce the value of their currency in order to sell to to reduce the cost that they make stuff to sell more. As an overall, even though the, basically they're making it for a cheaper price, so it's more about the total sales as opposed to the sale price. I think does that make sense? Well, I know uh, as far as like housing and healthcare. If the price goes down, it wouldn't be benefiting for us unless, like you're saying, you're trying to like reduce the entire um, cost of your money so you can export more. But you take a look at the bigger countries, we're not going to do that. We're not going to reduce the value of our currency just so we can, you know, sell more. We're trying to keep our currency high so we can buy from yeah. more countries. To spend Importing, much more. Yeah. Import versus export economy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but definitely if the, the the price of goods were to go down significantly it would be harmful which is likely why you don't see the, the cost of these goods going down significantly um housing healthcare and so on and so forth it, it just keeps going up um very little actually drops down but okay so this this gdp issue for me there, there's a couple of facets to this um as well as what you've already mentioned regarding the um the impacts that it has and obviously the greed side. But is there a case that you mentioned job dependency uh, a couple of times as well? Is there a case that because of the automation of so many parts of our lives from parking attendants that used to be there, that you now have machines that obviously you put money into and you input your reg to vending machines that there used to be men walking around with, you know, all of the food and drinks that they used to hand out, that that, again, is a job. And you see it over and over again within the corporate world, um, online, um, Excel even, you know, it, it automates things. Is there a case of automation that's driving our dependency for a very limited number of jobs that, again, will get automated at some point? So even within that, you've got individuals that are ai etc that are trying to actually get paid more to automate and get rid of all of these people's jobs that's the first side of it and the second side is is it down to the actual fundamental structure of the monetary system the fed fractional reserves banking system um obviously in 1971 uh, president nixon i think took the dollar off the gold standard then jfk obviously tried to get rid of the um the the uh or basically put it back on the um, gold standard or get rid of the fractional reserve banking system. Is it a case of the actual system forcing us to be greedy? Plus the fact that it's getting harder and harder to actually earn an income for the average man that has created this GDP issue. It's it's kind of a mixture of things. Um, there's a number of subjects there. I'm trying to figure out which one to respond to first. Um, uh... 
I'm not even sure where to start here. Um, I think the, the greed aspect, the greed aspect is there on its own. Um, I think what the, the foundation of a new world is about is building a system that actually addresses some of these problems that I've been listing off. And with greed, the, the way that it actually handles it is that you have designed a new system. And instead of being like a dollar or a pound, uh, think about it for a moment. What is a, a, what is a dollar worth or what is a pound worth or what is Bitcoin worth or what is gold? What is that worth of your time? And it's really, you come down to this, either one of two things, either it's just an arbitrary sense of value, or you come down to how much is it that I need? And that's basically what we as a society, we live under nowadays. Um, most of us were paid based off of cost of living, right? And how much is cost of living? That's giving you enough to get by another week, right? If you have a good job, you'll be getting you know well paid over cost of living or just enough or maybe less than the cost of living but that's kind of what the the value or the the lack of value the arbitrary value of our of all of our economic systems has really led us to and allowed so what we've ended up with is you know whether it's gold or the dollar it doesn't really matter we have this system where we're paid just enough or as little as possible and we're charged as much as possible because again, what is an item worth? There's no real sense of measurement. So what I did was I've actually designed an economic system that puts a measurement on that. And by doing so, it reveals the truth. Um, it re reveals the truth of what it costs and also reveals the truth of what it is. You're not, me and you, if we were to buy, if we were to trade something right now, that something took time from us to make, right? Let's say I make, I make houses and you make shoes or whatever. It took us an amount of time to actually produce these products. So that is what I'm really trading with you. And if it took me, you know, months to build my product and it took you a few hours to build yours, that is actually the measurement that the system uses. So the system I built is called the hour. So if you take whatever your currency is, Imagine instead of having like $1 or one pound on that piece of paper, imagine instead that it says one hour, right? So as opposed to an arbitrary sense of value for what your time is worth, now you have a true starting point for what your time is worth. Well, an hour of your time should be an hour, right? You can argue more or less depending on what your job is, your skills, maybe how dangerous it is or whatever, but you have a, a true and measurable starting point as opposed to being paid off of this cost of living idea that we have been where you're giving just enough to give by. That, that's really what cost of living is. You're just enough to get by another week, another, maybe, maybe you get a little bit better. So you can have it just enough to get by a, a couple more weeks. Um, as you know, sorry, but that's the, the first problem that this economic system is actually trying to solve that, us being exploited and being um, paid too little, charged too much. I guess the other end is uh, it's got a set of rules on it, and that is designed to curb greed um, in the sense that it shows you the true cost of a product before all the profit is thrown on top of it. And right now, let's say if you go to buy something, 
you go to buy a car or a house or I don't know, food, whatever, you're just getting a price that's thrown at you. Sometimes the price is pretty accurate. Sometimes it's just whatever price they decided to put on it. Um, your comparison really is nothing more than a comparison. It's what you usually see the product going for. That's your your best guess is uh, what it's actually worth. You really have no idea what that product is actually worth. So let's say you, you go to the store, you go to, uh, you're shopping around the store and you see something and it says $99, right? You're going to look at it and wonder, is this a good deal? You might, if it's a TV, you'll think, oh, well, I've seen other TVs at this price. That That's really your only way to measure that value. Whereas with this, it's designed to take into effect or take into account the actual cost in producing that product to show you. And that includes the overhead of the company. All the aspects, paying the bosses, paying the people, everything, the actual cost to produce whatever it is next to the price to curb greed and to help keep that in check so they're not just profiteering left and right. And with your uh, automation com comments earlier, this will actually help when that does happen because it's inevitable that more and more of our jobs are going to become automated. I mean, the robots are going to get better and better. AI is going to get smarter and smarter. It it could very well be within a lifetime they have robots on construction sites, you know, walking around doing things. It, it's not far-fetched future anymore. It's very close. So the real question is, is what do you charge then? If you, you know, if you, yeah, I guess you have to put in so much money initially to get your automation started. But once it's started and up and running, how much is it really costing you to even build a product? Well, the truth is next to nothing. With our current system, they're going to charge for that product, well, as much as they can get away with. They might charge a little bit less than the competitors, just enough to put them out of business, but not like significantly less than competitors. With my system, once the automation gets beyond a certain point, it's going to show that the true cost of that product is like next to nothing. And considering that people aren't being paid to even produce it, it's going to be a little drastic to ask people for money when they're not actually paying money out. Because, I mean, I guess uh, it's easy to get lost in the world. To see the world as this big place, you have so much going on. And to just see your aspect of the world and think that's it. But if you break down the world and make it into something smaller, easier, easier to wrap your mind around, and I guess it be a little bit clearer. If you have a company and you're producing product, Right now, you don't really see the, the beginning and end. But if that one company is the only company in the world, for example, let's say you just pick any company that comes to mind. It is the only company in the world. Everyone works for that company, right? Well, if that company isn't paying anyone, where is the money going to come from to buy its product? It's not there. So with the automation, as it becomes more and more, there's not going to be money to even buy their products. Unless, of course, you're just working, I don't know, whatever slave labor job is left at the end of the day that they haven't figured out how to automate. Yeah, I'm I mean, I, 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 I agree. I think that's going to be the ideal, though, isn't it? I mean, the transition from everyone working, having money to spend at other shops and in other businesses to the ideal position. Well, I say ideal, I wouldn't enjoy this, but let's call it an ideal position where you never have to work everything's built by machines, everything's done by machines. You can just do what you want in terms of hobbies and interests. 
that's it. You can do art, you can uh, uh, write music, you can write books, and it takes you away from having to do the menial job you don't want to do anyway. Okay, fine. That said, if you've got your this this new system based on what primarily time would you say? And the because uh, you said time at the start, and then you also said the the actual cost of what something is made at. Are they the two crucial yeah. parts? Yeah, the, well, the first aspect is, like I said, it's an hour. Instead of a dollar or gold or Bitcoin or a rupee or whatever. So it's hours. It, How many hours? Yeah, okay. like the, the, the currency itself would read one in an hour or 10 okay. in hours okay. and, or 0.5 hours, that type of thing. Right? Okay, but then but then is there, a, is there a pushback of greed for that as well then? Because I don't know about you, yourself, but if you've ever had a manual labor come around your house to to fix something like a plumber or someone who's going to do the hedges for example you can either pay them a fixed rate for the job or you can pay them an hourly rate now if you pay them a fixed rate they are more likely to want to do the job as fast as possible so they can get another job whereas if you if you then say do you know what i'm going to pay you by the hour it's in their best interest again to delay and slow down the process so how would this system combat that particular issue uh, this system has it, it. It has a series of rules. Um, the the first three are about setting up that initial base. That is, you know, how much people are paid and how much how to set up the the cost of a product. It's easiest, of course, with a manufactured product, right? Uh, as you're saying, with a service, with you know, people who would want to just sit there and try to slow themselves down to make more money. Um, this system has a series of rules. There's eight total rules. I think it's the fifth or sixth one that goes into the um, the actual service. But it's designed to show, let's just say if they're giving you a quote, it's X amount of dollars to do this job, right? They're going to go in there and try to knock it out as fast as they can. Well, it's got a, a let's see if I can remember the exact wording of the rule. It's designed to show the actual profit that they make on each job doing that let's just say if they've done it for however many years the average profit that they're making over the past year or the past 20 30 jobs it's like basically they try to quote you it's going to be a thousand dollars because it's probably going to take you know six eight ten hours or whatever it's going to be some huge thing and it takes them half an hour it's designed to show that um on the other hand if they're intentionally like you're saying you start trying to pay them by the hour and they try to slow it down and take their time um yeah, it's, they're going to try to screw you on that. I guess the the difference there is if their competitors are going to you know put them out of business. I mean, if you're going to see the competitors doing it for less than half of what he's trying to charge, you're definitely not going to pay this guy to keep doing that. But it doesn't have anything specifically designed for, to prevent that. It's more of you're going to see it um, when you look at the competitors who are offering, let's just say, a plumbing job for x amount of dollars and this guy's trying to say it's going to take you know however long 13 hours and just pay me by the hour and whatever but how would that work then if if there are let's let's again i'm trying to uh conceptualize this in my own own mind as well because it's with a new system it's really important to ask questions and try and understand how the mechanics of something would work so we'll, we'll stick with the plumber example because we've, we've sort of started on on this now and you've got two plumbers and if they are charging based on this hourly mode or rate or system 
what's the differentiating factor? Um, like how how would so so for, so with the current system, there might be Mr. Smith and Mrs. Jones, both plumbers. Mr. Smith is slightly more expensive. He's been doing the job for a lot longer, and he's going to be he's got better tools, and he's going to be done within an hour. Mrs. Mrs. Smith or Mrs. Jones, I can't remember which way I said it now. She charges a little bit less. She's a little bit less experienced, and she's not quite got the perfect tools, but she can get the job done. It's going to take her a little bit longer. That's a key differentiation. But in this system, if it's if it's time or hours, and a job typically would take a similar amount of time, what's the differentiation factor? Is it experience? Is it that the person knows someone? What is the differentiating factor to promote competition? Um, there's actually a couple of different factors. Uh, I think one is the natural course that we already have. Like, what is the difference between that and what we already have today where someone is giving you a chart or they're giving you a price tag for their plumbing job and they say it's only going to take this long or whatever. They say it's this amount of dollars and you have to pay it. Um, really the same type of thing. You know, you're going to have some people who are better at it and some people who are slower at it. Um, with this, the company can still quote however many hours they want to charge you for it. The difference is that they said the service industry is is one of the harder ones because of these types of things, but it would show you how much actual time it does take to do a job um, next to the price tag. And it would be, I can't remember the exact rule off the top of my head. I believe it's the last, this is say 20, the last 20 quotes for that job. And the reason it's written this way is I see it a lot with uh, mechanic shops. Like mechanics would be a pretty good thing as far as the same type of work, plumbing or whatever. Mechanic shops, they have a book that they go by or a computer they go by that says this job should take this many hours. So they charge for it. But then they can do it in like an hour. And with this system, it's designed to show that. If they're quoting people, it's a 10-hour job making them pay for 10 hours and they only actually do work on it for an hour. Well, this would show that, Hey, it's only taking an hour to do this job. I don't know if you understand that, but it would, yeah, uh, but, but if, but if, yeah. it's take, but if it's, send, it's still based on time, then surely the, it would promote speed of a job as opposed to quality. Yeah. Um, well, actually, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, you have that right now. You've always had that. You have promotion of speed or promotion of quality and which one you prefer to be done more. Um, one check and balance that's actually there is that uh, the the eighth rule, and that is with governments, um, that the government's responsibility is not to provide the wealth for the welfare of the people, but that if the people's needs are being exploited for the profit of others, it's their job to promote or create a competitor to actually lower the cost of those goods. So that's one check and balance that's actually built into the system to basically promote competition to lower these prices if people are trying to get greedy and scam you or whatever, trying to exploit people so that they have to work excessively just because they want to get rich. And basically one person wants an easy dollar or an easy, easy money. So they take it from somebody else. And that's, how would course, this work in a, in a global sense then? So obviously the, the reason people prefer to live in America than they do Afghanistan is because of the economic 
system that has been created that there's a trade of service, there's a trade of products, there is um, a lot more safety. Again, that's questionable, but let's just stick with that. Um, as opposed to Afghanistan, which is not quite there in terms of economic, would you still under this system see the same thing? And just to sort of put an asterisk next to this, I'm not saying that everyone should be equal because the reason that these countries have accelerated beyond the others, yes, there is some elements of exploitation, but a lot of it is value-based. They've provided a value that's created wealth. So an iPhone, it's a product that people want. And yes, again, you can talk about wastage, et cetera, but people are willing to pay for it because it provides a value to them personally. Would there still be the same sort of value system within this um, alternative economy? Or would there be a complete shift of how a global market operates? I mean, there would be a lot of shifts, but as far as basically why, why a lot of people would come to America is because we have things and you have the opportunity to get things. So none of that would go away. Um, the biggest difference would be you're rich uh it'd be a lot harder for them to basically get rich quick off of your work and off of your labor and off of you in general that's really what this is designed to do it's this just designed to do that to prevent you from being exploited so that someone else can get it you know easy money from you and that's basically what the problem has been with human society since the very beginning that you know whether it's been kings you know, or whatever, uh, through slavery and serfdom and so on and so forth, we've, the people have always been exploited by the rich. And that's where, you know, or of course our poverty and our suffering have come from while they sit around their tables eating like Kings, you know, the, the poor would suffer for it because well, they didn't have any choice today. What we have is similar. Um, you know, you don't, you're not bound to the land like you were in serfdom. You're not a slave. You have options to, of course, rise on your own. But the the situation is still relatively the same where you have those that are like kings, where they have, they're taking the wealth from the people to have themselves. Um, but if in this course, so oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm just going to say, but aren't we a lot closer to an equal, an equilibrium really of, of, of where, the, the lower subset of people are compared to before, as you said, a lot of people in poverty and then a king who had all the jewellery, all the castles, etc. Most people now have got a house, whether it's rented or not. They can put three meals on the table. They can get their hair cut. They can go travel abroad. They're quite free in some respects. Yes, we can talk and go into more detail about, obviously, the the middle classes being eroded and there's going to be two social classes etc but that is more to do with the automation and and how businesses are, uh, businesses are run but coming back to your point a moment ago and ben shapiro i think sums this up quite well with the pencil factory example so even if we have this system of time there's still going to be the man who owns the pencil factory who should earn more than the man who's making the pencil because he oh, set yeah. the risk, Absolutely. he set it up. So how would this work for a system that doesn't have monetary uh, valuation? It's more based on the time, essentially. And I know there is a cost, and as you said, there is going to be a cost and a profit, which is shown separately. But surely, um, 
the well, I think go on. Uh, I think uh, one thing you're saying, like you're suggesting, it didn't have a monetary value. It, it it still has a monetary value. It's still a money. Like I said, you just trade out whatever is on your bill, your dollar bill or your pound or whatever. You would be trading that out for an hour. So instead of trading in what our currency is, you'd be trading in another currency the same way. So of course you're still like gain. And when it comes to the hour, I never really gotten to, to properly start um, as far as the explanation of it. Uh, the first two rules really go into as far as people getting more and people getting less. The first rule of the hour is that you should not pay someone less than or a person less than half an hour per for an hour's work, right? So a minimum wage. The second rule is that anything more than three hours for an hour's work is considered part of a company's profit. So yes, there's still differences in who gets paid more, who gets paid less. The difference here is that um, anything above a certain amount is considered part of a company's profit. And being as fair as possible, let's just say if you could sum it up in um, dollars, uh, I don't know exactly how it would be in uh, pounds. And it's it's difficult because different areas of the world, the the pay rates vary so wildly, it's kind of hard to put it a mindset on any specific number. But let's just say if it was $50,000 a year, if you're working a 40-hour week, let's just say that was like a standard pay with minimum wage employee getting 25000 a year. Let's just say if that was a standard. Um, that would mean if you're getting over 100000 or $150,000 a year, that anything above that would be considered part of a company's profit. So you could be the boss. You could pay yourself a million dollars a year or $2 million or $10 million, whatever you wanted. That, that, that's on you. The difference is you cannot be the boss of a company, pay yourself $10 million a year, and then turn around and say the company is not making a profit. You see, you see the, 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 the way that rule is working. So when you go to sell your product, you can't be paying yourself millions of dollars a year and then say that, oh, it's this is just what it costs. It's just really expensive. I'm sorry, but that sucks. It's really expensive. Oh, well, um, that's what we have right now. Um, these these big companies, I mean, we're, I don't remember the, the banking bailouts of 2008 and nine um, with Obama, uh, the same type of thing. They even gave themselves bonuses afterwards. You know, oh, we're broke. You know, we need more money. Um, they paid it all to themselves. Um, so many situations have gone on over the years where they have to cut their employees pay or cut their employees health benefits or raise the price of the product. And they all do this while saying, oh, the company doesn't make enough money. You're paying it to yourselves. You know, you're making money hand over fist, but you're basically playing a game and act like you're not when it's all going in your pocket. So that that rule right there is designed to actually stop that. You know, it's not designed to keep you from ever getting above a certain point. It's just designed to stop you from pretending and making it look like you're not making any money when it's going into the owners or the top group of people who are owning it, running it. It's all going in their pocket and just pretending like they're not making a profit at all. And of course, the third rule, and that's what closes that loop, is that the cost before profit of a product has to be listed next to the price. That's what's going on there. That's what that's designed to do. So it's but, not but limiting all companies what, from not making profit. What would, although you said about the, the bankers' bonuses and the, the CEO's profits not, or, or, or drawings not being taken into the cost of a product or service, but is there a, a rule that set that you've created to say what is going to be included? Because you can make stuff up. You can say, oh, you know, I had to 
do this and that's incorporated into the cost of the products or service as well uh that one don't have specifics on every single thing i mean really you can't you you can sit there i mean you could make a dictionary or imagine the old encyclopedia is of if you try to go in every single thing of what can't be in someone's cost i think you know if you were a business and you wanted to Oh, well, I have to have a zebra here, and the zebra has to have a caretaker and stuff like that. Um, that would come down to auditing, and of course, whatever states would make their own specific rules as to things like that. But honestly, even if you did, let's just say you hired, you you wanted a zebra, and you needed to have a zebra at the office. And of course, that zebra needs three caretakers, and you're hiring and paying for these caretakers. Well, even though that's not has nothing to do with your pencils and you selling your pencils, um, you're actually paying the, the the zookeepers and you're paying, you know, the zebra, or not for the zebra, but you're paying the people who take care of it and you're paying for the food and everything like that. So it actually is an honest cost. It's not money going in your pocket unless you're, you know, robbing the zookeepers afterwards. But uh, I, it, I don't see how it would really benefit you. Let's just say if you, you own the pencil um, factory it's not really going to benefit you to have the zookeeper there unless you just really wanted a zookeeper. And of course, if your competitor is not having zookeepers with zebras on the property, well, they're going to be able to sell a pencil for less money than you are. They're kind of going to put you under and that zebra is going to be the death of you. So you still have those basic, basic things. Um, like I said, you, you can't really go. It's There's a lot of things that you could go into detail. It gets, I guess, more difficult. But this... This system is it, it's designed is about as best as I think it can be to try to catch any catch twenty twos um in the, the very specific wording of certain things. Like I didn't get an exact wording, but it says uh that the accumulated or the cost of a product from raw material or the cost of a product or service from raw material to finished product um has to be or the, the profit has to be listed next to the cost from raw material to finished product. That's the accumulated profit. So that right there in itself is designed to show the accumulated profit from all the companies. And the reason it's done, it's done that way is because if it's not, let's just say you own the pencil company and you want to sell things, make it look like you're not making, you know, 800 or a thousand percent profit off your product. Well, the easiest way to do that would be to own a second company that owns a pencil company or own a second company that sells to the pencil company. Well, now you just own the wood company. You sell that product to the pencil company at prices no one else would ever buy it for. You can just raise the hell out of your prices like as high as you want and you can sell it to the pencil company. And well, oh, well, now you're actually selling it at cost or close to cost or whatever. Well, with this rule, you you won't be able to get away with that. And that's the reason why it is that way, because if it wasn't, I mean, they'll just create another company right next to it, which they do all the time. I mean, I mean, think damn near every company that we know is owned by another company. I'm not even sure what original companies are anymore. Um, you know, if you do research on most of them, they're all subsidiaries or whatever of some larger conglomerate. Yep, I can't even say that word. Yeah, right. it's like, it's like <laughs> Nike, Nike, don't they, with the, uh, the, the brandy. They have like... Nike own the business in some, I don't know where the country is, for example, and they make all the profits because they own the branding for Nike. 
But then all these other subsidiaries of Nike basically pay that company because that's the one that owns the rights for it. But they're making substantial profits in these other countries, America, the UK, but they're not actually realising those profits, as you've said, because all those profits are going to the other company that has the ownership, has the rights. And as you said about the cost price, it doesn't work exactly the same as that, but they don't actually own that product to be able to sell. Yeah, uh, I think they probably do that right now with a lot of companies just to get around taxes. You know, have company A take most of the money from company B by selling something, whatever, lawyer services or whatever they want to sell, just so that, you know, the company that's making all the money can show on their tax forms they're not making anything and get a tax break, while the other company that just takes all the profit and probably go into other countries, like you said, to try to get around paying taxes. But isn't this basic economics, though? So governments encourage businesses to come and uh, house in their country offer them sort of tax regimes to say look we're not going to tax you that much but can you just come and house yourself here so then the average joe can get a job there and get taxed through paye or tax through their job basically income tax yeah does does that fall in line with then your government rules that you said that governments also have to have some level of jurisdiction uh, over them uh, i mean yeah uh, i mean you would see the the same type of behaviors and stuff like that you know you'd have some places where there's not a lot of work maybe they try to encourage companies to come set up shop there and they might try to find ways to do that but i think the biggest thing with this system is one preventing us from being exploited in the process that, that's the biggest thing about it. And that's the most important thing. Um, even if you think, okay, we need jobs. You got to ask, what do we need jobs for? Well, we need jobs to pay the bills, right? We need jobs to pay for the house. We need jobs to pay for healthcare. So the more expensive that is, the more we need jobs. The less expensive it is, the less we need jobs. So let's just imagine if you know your housing was uh, cheaper. If the average cost of a house was less than half of what it is now. What if the average cost of healthcare was less than half than what it is now? You know, the average cost of things just across the board, less than half of what it is now. Would you need that job as long? Would you, you know, be able to get away with working six months a year, nine months a year and taking, you know, two, three, four months vacation a year? Spend time with, you know, I don't know, family. <laughs> Actually go out and have a vacation um, longer than a long weekend, which most people, most people really don't. Um, in fact, most people I know, they get let off for a week on, um, during the holidays for Christmas and stuff, and they're scared they're not going to have enough money coming around, you know, after new year's. So, I mean, that's, uh, it really is the goal there. Um, as far as like, you know, countries trying to encourage different companies to come, you know, set up shop near their place. If they don't have enough, that would still go on if like you really needed you know, to build jobs for your people. But with this system, it's taking the GDP aspect out of it. Um, I mean, I guess I should get to that point. The Like I said, the GDP aspect means that your country needs to produce more just to keep its country's value higher. With this currency I designed, you get rid of the GDP aspect. It goes back to an actual backing system. Instead of gold or any sort of, you know, as far as like gold or wood or anything like that, you're not using that. You're using a infrastructure backing. So let's just say you started from zero. 
you build a city from ground zero and you build it up. The infrastructure that the city owns, the money that's paid for that is given to the people. That's the money on the market. And that's what you would have, you know, to buy and sell with. So as if opposed you, to needing to produce more every year constantly. So if you could summarize then, because obviously you have got this nonprofit that you're in, in charge of. How would you summarize both your new idea and how your nonprofit is trying to implement this or what you're doing in the background, basically? Um, right now, the goal of the foundation of your world is to build a blueprint for countries to have a brighter and more prosperous future by building a city for those in need and a system to eliminate poverty, curb greed, value life, protect the environment simultaneously. Um, that would be, I guess, the summary of the, the, the core purpose of it. Um, not sure if that was what you're looking for. If you're looking for more of a summary of the basics of what's wrong with our system and what I believe that this one addresses, like if, if that's the summary you're looking for, I would say the, the summary would be that the, uh, our, our current economic system, um, does nothing next to nothing to prevent us from being exploited, uh, has a very arbitrary lack of value in the uh, dollar itself or in our you know currencies themselves allowing us to be exploited making us job dependent making us need jobs more hurting the environment um destroying the environment in multiple different ways then of course the gdp aspect of it convinces us and drives us as a society from the top down all the way from the top to all the way to the bottom it drives us to produce more um, consistently each and every year, which the earth is never going to be able to handle. We're never going to be able to keep up with this constant growth cycle. And those are the biggest problems that would bring up with our economic system, the way it is. My economic system that I've designed, like I said, it has a value and it has a measure for the actual cost of a product to show it to you. You can decide if you are able to pay more or not, but it actually shows you the cost to help keep greed from getting out of hand keeps you from being exploited to the point where you are just going to work till you're dead to pay for everyone else's wealth. And at the same time, it takes away that need of the GDP system where you have to produce more to have your money be worth anything. If you don't just keep producing, 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 your money isn't worth anything, right? Well, with this, you're going back to a value-based system where that money actually has a backing. The money on the market is actually backed by something. So you don't need to produce more and more and more. And the reason I didn't go with something like gold for backing is because, well, let's just say if you have a million people in a country, you don't have one drop of gold. Does that mean that their their work is worth nothing? Does that mean that you can basically use them as cheap labor to the rep for the rest of the world? No, their 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 time is worth something. Um, unless, you know, they're unskilled labor, you know, their time is just as valuable as yours. If, you know, they're educated the same as you are, they're just as capable of working as you are. Their time should be just as valuable as yours. There's no reason they should be less than you. Paying them less basically in, in, in puts it in our mind and has put in our mind, I'd say most of our entire lives. I know mine, you know, for my life, you know, you can talk about people in China getting paid pennies on a dollar. It makes them seem worth less just in that basic statement. So yeah, this, this this system is designed to address those issues. And the goal of the Foundation of New World is to actually build a small scale city to basically test this theory 
to take this currency and prove it, to to show it, to find any any types of flaws like you're talking about, to find any of them. If the system needs to be tweaked and fixed in any way, expose those problems, find them, figure out the solution to it, and actually to do it. And if it actually does work, to basically shine a light on it for the world to see, look, follow this system. You can live a better world. You can live a better life in a better world. You can be liberated from other people's greed. You don't have to live your entire life working so someone else can sit around and do next to nothing and live like a king for it. That's what this system's designed to do. That's what the foundation of New World's designed to do. I like Sorry, I went way into the No, it's good. And I like that philosophy of, um, yeah, do a test and shine a light on it, shine a light on it and actually find the problems because i think this is one of the big problems with society and people in general is they want to if they know something's wrong or they don't or they are scared to have something tested to bring up the flaws the whole point really to make some foolproof is to bring up its issues because you need to see what the foundations of something is built on if it's not built on anything strong it's going to fall at the first hurdle um people get stronger at the gym by overcoming obstacles or whatever else so it's good that you've got that that sort of mentality if people want to reach out to you and, and learn more about your idea uh economic idea where can they reach you uh, if you go to the website it's um www.thefoundationofanewworld.com um there's links to the social media pages uh youtube uh facebook twitter um even a tumblr um and of course, you can find on the website, you can find a contact me page. You can also donate on there. Uh, the three ways this is, this needs to succeed would be, of course, donations to make it possible to even try to build the city. Uh, following and sharing the message is huge, too, because if no one hears about this, even if you even if you handed me the money right now and I was able to go build this, if no one's heard about it, there's no light being shined on it. No one's seeing it. Like literally, if this works exactly as designed, or even if there's something you have to tweak along the way to get it to work as designed, as it's supposed to, if no one sees it, there's going to be those who want to stop it. There's going to be those who would prefer their power over you to you being free, and they would nuke it the second they would get a chance to. So shining a light, you, as everyone out there listening, you sharing this message and sharing the videos that are on there talking to about it to other people, that is going to be the, the the light that needs to be shined on it. And of course, last, you know, if this works and it works out as it's supposed to, it's up to you whether or not to follow it. Like those will be the three steps that will make or break this thing. No, absolutely. Um, well, thanks again for being on the show, Chris. And hopefully your your dream comes into fruition. And uh, I'll be interested to hear a bit more about it, to be honest. It does sound like a, a new concept uh, that's, at first, it's difficult to get your head around. But then if you think about some of the issues that we've got today, some of those problems are resolved by having uh, um, some of the solutions that you've got within your, uh, within your model. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And... Like I said, if there is any problems, I would definitely like to talk to people about them and find out what they are, or of course, find out through proving it. Give it that test trial, that test run to show it in action. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Chris. Thank you.